It's good to see you all this morning. Um, if you're new or visiting, my name is Cameron. I'm the pastor here. And uh, welcome to Conduit. Um, I, I would say, or I mean, I'm going to ask the question, since this is our first week back to one service, if you prefer one service or do you prefer two services? Um, you know, I, it looks like you prefer one, okay? Um, and uh, as, long as, as long as you can um, be patient with us as maybe we're um, a little bit more full than normal, then we will continue to have one. And, um, but it feels awfully normal here this morning, doesn't it? Amen. feels awfully normal. And it's good to see you. Um, I wanted to share a few announcements with you before we go too far this morning. Okay, so most of them should be, um, have been scrolling on the screen so far. So next week, um, immediately following church, we have Ask, Ask the Pastor, which is the fourth um, of the kind of quarterly, um, really anything goes, well, nearly anything goes, anything goes questions, you know. If you're new to Conduit and you have some questions, or if you've uh, been here a long time and you have some new questions, um, basically it's an opportunity for us to sit and just talk about any questions you may have or any information you may want. Um, and we do this right after church. Uh, we'll do this right after church next week and we'll order in lunch. And so we just ask that you RSVP for that. Just let us know you're going to be here so that we make sure we have enough lunch on hand. There is a sign-up sheet out in the foyer on the tall cocktail table um, where you can also sign up for the Thanksgiving event that is coming up in, on the 21st. Uh, I know many of you have signed up already. Um, we'll be contacting volunteers this week with... Um, you know, getting kind of giving you your assignments, so to speak, for that day. Um, and if you, you may have seen on our Facebook page this week that, um, actually, Benny, can you sh stand up and turn around for just a second? Benny is wearing what used to be Conduit's like serve shirt, right? Give an applause for our model, Benny, this morning, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, and have him walk the runway, so to speak. Sharon's wearing one as well. Um, anyway, we have, we have ordered or designed new um, serving shirts. So anytime we put it on an event or have an opportunity for you to serve or whatever, uh, we like if you're able to be able to all wear the same shirt so you can all be kind of identified. Um, so you can actually order as many and whatever size shirt you want off of the link that's on our Facebook page. We will also be putting in a really big bulk order, so if you don't have Facebook and whatever, we'll make sure that we have lots of shirts um, ordered as well. But if you want to order your own, that would kind of take the logistics out of our hands as well. So there's a link on our Facebook page to order a shirt, and I believe they have to be ordered on that link by, by Wednesday. So if you haven't ordered one already, make sure you order one. Um, Another thing that we, uh, I, have, I have failed to announce the last few weeks in regards to Thanksgiving is that if we've been asking you to grab one of these bags or a couple and grab one of the grocery lists 
and take them and fill them up during the week and then bring them back so that we have so that we can um, we can pass them out on the 21st. What I failed to mention um, as well is that y- you you may be uh, you may really really benefit or one of these bags may really bless you and your family um, for Thanksgiving. And so if that's the case, um, we we want you to we want you to know that we want to take care of you first. Right? We want to we want to make sure that you that you are cared for first. And so if you want to come to me or um, Jessica or anyone on the leadership team afterwards and just say, hey, yeah, my family could benefit from one or two or three of those bags um, for the holiday season. We would, we would love to make sure that you get taken care of um, before the event on the 21st. So please don't, don't hesitate to do that, okay? Uh, we want to make sure that you are aware of that as well. Um, what was my other announcement? Worship night. This coming Friday, Friday um, the 13th at 7 o'clock, we have a, a worship night here at 7 p.m. Uh, we have Real Life Church is going to be joining us as well. Some of their worship leaders are going to be joining us. And so uh, please make sure you come, if you want to just come and worship. There's no teaching. There's no other thing going on. It's just a night to get together and just plain worship. And that's all we do that night. And it's it's always a great, uh, a great time. So that's this Friday, um, this Friday at seven o'clock. Okay. All right. That that's all. That's all the announcements I had. Youth group. Yes, thank you. Youth group meets tonight. Um, if uh, so, if you are youth, youths, the youths of the world, please come to youth group tonight, uh, six o'clock here. All right. Yeah, that too. 5.30, not 6. Um, <laughs> so it was a long night, okay? I didn't get much sleep. All right. Let's, um, can we, uh, that's throwing me all off seeing all your faces this morning, so I was feeling a little weird. Let's, uh, let's just stop for a second. Let's have, um, one more minute of just like centering prayer. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us and then we'll jump into the message for the week. Lord, sometimes um, lives are so busy and so noisy and so chaotic that um, we forget what silence sounds like and we forget what rest feels like. Well, Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to embrace moments of silence as times where your Your voice speaks, whispers to us. Lord, that we would embrace um, periods of rest, days of rest, times of rest, that our bodies may slow down, our emotions may slow down, Lord, so they can catch up to the work that you want to do in our spirits. 
Lord, we pray this morning that You would speak to us through Your Word. That we would be, that we would be moved, Lord, by its truth. That Your Holy Spirit would, um, would take it deep into our souls. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so who here, if you, like who here is a beach person? Beach person, yeah, like if you could be on a beach, vacation, that's where you want to be. I don't know many people who aren't beach people. Um, You know, (laughs) okay, some of you, (laughs) fair enough. (laughs) Well, the next illustration will mean nothing to you then, okay? Uh, But just play along. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, I think most people, most people like the like the beach. They like the sound. They like you know the feeling of the, the sand beneath their toes or stuff like that. And I I I would rather like a cabin in the mountains, but my wife would rather a beach. All right, and um, so we compromise and we go to the beach. Uh, and <clears throat> um, but one of the things that's so fun. Uh, or like it's just fun about the beach is you know how you go down right like where the tide is coming in or right where the surf is coming in you stand barefoot and you stand and you let the water like crash up around your feet and around your shins and then when the water goes back out it takes all the sand that's underneath your feet with it right it's like and you you can feel the sand underneath your feet move when the water comes in and and washes it away, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a neat feeling, and kids like to feel it, and they like to watch it. Or if you sit a lawn chair or a, you know a chair out in the surf, and you sit there long enough, eventually your chair will be like tilted, or you'll be like six feet underneath the sand because everything moves when when the water comes on. And on a small scale like that, without much, without much at risk, or without much at stake. It can kind of it's kind of a neat experience. It can feel um, it can feel kind of kind of cool on a on a small sail. But um, if you were to take that experience and you were to magnify it up to something where there's a lot more risk or there's a lot on a lot more grand scale, like that act of the water coming in and washing out the sand and creating instability there underneath your feet can actually be quite destructive. Right? It can actually lead to something that's not just a cool, neat experience, but left long enough with something important enough and the water could wash away anything that you put your feet on. Um, you know, it... We've been talking quite a bit, well, the last two weeks, of course, we've talked about what it means for Christians, followers of Jesus to maybe think politically or to live in a season that is highly political and highly polarized and highly, and highly divided, right? And now we're on the, kind of on the tail end of an election, right? And, and getting, getting past that that experience or, or that point and 
And we're, you know, in week 33. Remember how I told you I always write down what week it is? I write down little facts in my preaching notebook to know where I'm at. This is week 33 of coronavirus. 33. Week 33. Um, and, um, and it's become increasingly clear more and more clear through a pandemic, through an election season, through all of life, all, all that is experienced in life as it's experienced, that it's not really, going back to like the beach illustration, it's not always so much um, like where you stand in life as much as it is like what what exactly it, it is you're standing on you know what like what do you what do you what do you put your feet on like what what is the thing what is the thing underneath you uh, are your are your feet on something that is likely in the midst of the water to be washed away leaving you with this Inherent sense of instability or insecurity or sinking feeling? Um, or are you standing on maybe something a little bit more uh, solid that doesn't wash away when the water comes up, the rain comes in, the, the wind blows? And I think if there's anything that the last 33 weeks um, have taught me uh, or revealed to me is that for... Um, for many of us, what we have been standing on, not necessarily where we've been standing, because we've all still been together, right? But what we've been standing on may have proven to be a little bit unstable. Um, a, little bit, a little bit shaky, a little bit vulnerable to storm. A little bit vulnerable to the tide coming in and then washing it away. Where it, maybe, maybe, maybe pre-COVID, maybe, maybe pre-whatever experience that you are having now that is making you feel a little icky about life, you may have believed that the place that you were standing, what your feet were standing on, was a strong and stable and steady surface. But then something comes along in the form of a pandemic or the form of high emotional environment with an election or a personal, a personal struggle that you're having or an issue with your family or your health or your finances or whatever it would be. And you maybe, maybe it's been revealed a little bit that where you had been standing or what your feet had been placed on was not necessarily as stable as you would have liked to believe it was before. And so if you are in a place where it's like, well, how, how do I come to a place of like being able to um, look for the good in the last 33 weeks? How do, I, how do I understand where God is working to redeem whatever it is that's been happening? One of the ways that we can, that one, of the, one of the ways that we can grab onto the redemptive work of God is in the humility 
that it takes, uh, the humility that it takes to admit that difficult circumstances often reveal where we have been standing on shaky, not solid ground. And it reveals where we need to do a little bit of like construction <laughs> on the foundation of our lives so that we always stand, always find our feet resting in a strong place. See, for many, many of us, like we may have been standing on places that have been unstable, right? And so when, um, when everything, for instance, shuts down and places are closed and people are separated and the busyness of life comes to like a screeching halt, we may realize that for so long our lives have been dictated and been standing on the unshaky ground of the busyness of our calendar. Like how, how busy we were, how active we were, how involved we were, and when a whole bunch of things gets, get wiped off the calendar, we then have to come to this, we, we have this question to deal with or this realization that like, um, that, that my, maybe my calendar does not define my, my self-worth. Maybe like the amount of things that I have to do in a day is not a, it's not, it's not a badge of honor when someone asks me how I'm doing for me to say, oh, I'm just so busy. It actually isn't a badge of honor. It actually becomes a liability in life, right? Or maybe, maybe it's been health. Maybe for so long you've been standing on the solid ground of the solid ground of your health. Or maybe it's been the solid ground of some form of financial security or the proximity of people who are close to you, your family that you have relied on and now they're separate. We haven't been in our in-laws' house in, since March. Right? And like, that's been really difficult for my wife. <laughs> he said it, I didn't, okay? <laughs> That's been really difficult, right? And so that, then, you, then you begin to, to, begin to like realize, well, how much have I been relying on, standing on that relationship? How about this? How many times, how, how, how much have we relied on our ability to control things? Control where we go, how we go there, what we do when we're there. We, we are in constant control of our environment and then when, that, when the illusion of control has been taken away from us, now we wonder like, well, what do I do now? Now I can't control this and I can't control that and I can't control... And we begin to see that like life begins to... What we used to rely on, what used to be strong, what used to be steady, what used to be solid is all really not so strong, steady, and solid. Maybe, maybe it's been that way for like... Well... The government will save us, right? 
The state will save us. Maybe even, here, listen, listen to this. Maybe even the, the ground that you have been standing on and relying on and putting all of your hope in has been the ground of your church. Oh, I mean, it, at least my church meets every Sunday. And my, my kids have a place to go and be a part of ministry. Or my small group can meet. Or uh, we can go and take communion together. Or we can sit right next and close to each other and not have to have a pew separating us. And well, at least I have that, right? At least I have that. But what if that's taken away? And we're going to get to this point of, I hope being able to, for you to see that there, that there is, while there are, of course, so many close corollaries that, that, um, that, that putting our faith and hope in the church is different than putting our faith and hope in Jesus. And that, and that the church often incarnates the life of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? But, but Jesus isn't just an idea. It's not, he's not just a belief. Jesus is a person. And he is alive. And the scripture says that right now he is sitting at the right hand of the Father and is waiting to come back, right? And you will meet Jesus someday and you will hug Jesus someday, right? And the scripture says in Philippians chapter 2 that, that someday you will confess that Jesus is Lord and that you will bow before him. Right? And it doesn't matter who you are or what you've said or what you've done before, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father in heaven. But Jesus is different. Relying in Jesus is different than relying on the church. Totally. We, we, we like to rely on the church and we're going to do everything that we can to be a, 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 a body of followers of Jesus Christ that incarnates the spirit and mission of Jesus all the time, as best as we can. But hey, guess what? Newsflash, we screw it up all the time. I screw up all the time. I get things wrong all the time. It happens. But Jesus doesn't. Jesus doesn't screw up. Jesus doesn't make mistakes. Jesus doesn't do dumb things. Jesus doesn't wear giant inflatable turkey suits. <laughs> right? Jesus doesn't do things like that. Right? So, um, maybe you have found that the ground that you've been standing on has been uncharacteristically shaky in the last 33 weeks or however long and that it's put you in a little bit of a tailspin as to what is next or what now or what do I do or I don't get it or I thought my life was all taking, I, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought, but now, but now, but now. So what is the what now? Um, We've been, before we did these last two weeks in, um, uh, leading up to the election, we were in the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew. And I want to, um, I want to go back there. 
So go back to Matthew chapter 7. Is it warm in here? So we'll listen, or um, we're going to read a couple verses here at the end of Matthew chapter seven. This is like service with a smile, right? You guys are warm. <laughs> Word. Matthew chapter seven. Starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount which is, in essence, his like, greatest like, block of teaching in, that we have an account for in all of the Gospels. So, the most teaching he ever does, right? He ends all of that with, with this. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock, right? The storm comes, the house stays. But those who hear these words of mine and do not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. The storm comes and the house falls. It crashes. And so Jesus, this is like the conclusion, the period on the end of the sentence of the greatest block of teaching that Jesus ever does. So um, he, he ends it with this object lesson that we, that we can all at least in some regard, understand or come to um, apprehension of is that, that what you build your life on, what you build your life on matters. What you, what you place your feet on, where you stand, matters. Why does it matter where or how you build your life? Why does the foundation essentially matter? Because, Jesus says, not, he, he, he doesn't say, if it happens to rain, if by chance the wind comes or the water rises. The implication here is that, is that Jesus essentially, um, essentially promises or guarantees that the environmental conditions swirling about your house 
will not always be favorable. The rain is going to come. The water is going to rise. The wind is going to blow. Life with Jesus is not a giant wall of protection against unfavorable circumstances. It is not. Life is actually incredibly and inherently unstable. Life is incredibly and inherently unstable. And that's maybe one of the questions is, does, does your life or does your experience in the last 33 weeks reflect any of that reality? That things are actually inherently insecure and unstable. So, my question for us, and I believe that the Spirit's question in the midst of this um, piece of Scripture is, um, not, not how do we stop the instability, but is there any way to protect our house, our lives, our spirits, our emotions, right? Our, our relationships, our family, right? Is there any way to protect against the inherent instability and insecurity of life? Now, the unequivocal answer of Jesus here in the Scripture is yes. The best, way to, the best way to secure your home in the midst of the instability of the environmental conditions of life is to ensure that your foundation is strong. Build a strong foundation and your house stands. Build a weak foundation, it will come crashing down. So how, then, how do we build a strong and steady and stable foundation? Well, um, you know, there are, many ways, there are many ways to build, if you go to build a house, right, there are many ways to build a foundation. Many forms, many different forms of um, foundations. Right? Maybe one of the most classic, this is how my house, I have a house that was built in 1890. And we have all these big stacked stones in our, in our foundation. Right? Um, and when you're, building, when you're building a foundation out of stone or out of block or out of brick or something like that, you know, you dig down deep, you get, to, you get to strong, solid ground, and then you may pour some kind of a footer, right? doesn't necessarily have to be super square or either, even super flat, right? Depending on how you're building. And then you take that first cinder block, that first concrete block, and you walk down into that big hole, and you're getting ready to set that first block and the foundation that you're going to build the rest of your house in. That block, you always start in the corner, right? So you can go this way and you can go that way. But the first block that you set 
is always the most important. You should call that block the, the cornerstone, right? Because it sits in the corner. And off of, off of that block, right, is determined the, um, the, your, whether or not the rest of your foundation is level, right? Whether or not the wall that comes off of it or the block that comes off of it in the next direction is square. And I don't know if we've ever built anything, but if you start laying a cornerstone unlevel and unsquare with everything else, it's going to follow you all the way up to the peak of the roof. That unsquareness will follow you all the way up to the peak of the roof. It will follow you all the way into the drywall. You won't be able to set any of your doors, right? All your trim will be at, at weird angles, all because the very first block you set down was not right. Was not correct. Was not square. Because everything else is built off of that one block. Just one. We take this principle of foundation building and the perfection of the cornerstone of your life. And you ask the question, well, what is the cornerstone of our life? I know I'm asking questions you probably already know the answer to, right? But um, the Apostle Paul takes this analogy of building, right? This kind of general principle of starting square, plumb, level, and true, and, um, and, and translates it to our relationship with Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talks about the nature of Jesus being the chief cornerstone. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says this, starting at verse 19. He says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. What does Paul say here? Say the foundation upon which all of life or all of faith is built is the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone of Jesus Christ Himself. Now it's important here to understand um, what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. Okay, and This may come as like a weird thing for a pastor to say, um, but stick with me and I think you'll understand. What Paul can, continues to communicate all throughout Scripture is that, is that the, the cornerstone that we build our life on is Jesus Christ 
himself. It is not the idea of Jesus or the Messiah. It is not even a, um, in its most general or um, generic sense, a belief in Jesus. But it is Jesus Christ in his personhood, he himself. What do I build my life upon? It's not the idea of Jesus. It's not a, it's not a belief in Jesus. It is Jesus himself as the Savior of our unsteady lives. He is the cornerstone. When, when all is unsteady, when all is unstable, when all is inherently um, unpredictable, Jesus remains the strong and steady foundation that doesn't move, that when built upon, everything will be level and right and square and true about our house. See, we've often, and this is, sometimes this is a pastor's fault, a church's fault, sometimes this is um, individual Christian's fault, it's, it's a lot of people's fault, right? But we have, we have often substituted a belief about Jesus or our theology about Jesus for a love and trust and confidence in Jesus himself. There is a there is a difference. Well, I don't get what the difference is. What is the difference? Well, here, here let me, I'm going to paint a radical example right, for you of two sides of the spectrum. Right? Um, demons and Satan believe in Jesus. He believes in Jesus. He believes in Jesus probably more than you and I do. Right? very aware of the power and the authority and the majesty and the glory of Jesus. That is why scriptures say, when demons hear the name of Jesus, all of hell shudders. Right? Super aware. Satan has perfect theology. Perfect theology. Right? Um, but that's no one here would disagree, infinitely different than Satan placing his trust in Jesus for the salvation of his very soul. Building his life upon the foundation of who Jesus himself is. And we can wrap ourselves up in a nice Christian bow of like church attendance and religious activity and great theology and still not know who Jesus is. And still not experience, not place our feet on the solid ground of Jesus Himself. Jesus, believing in Jesus as the cornerstone for our lives is a trust in the saving work of Jesus. That He is the Savior. That He is 
the steady ground for all of life. Um, the psalmist writes in Psalm chapter 40, verse 2, that he, speaking of God, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Now, it would seem, and I recognize, that a pastor standing up and saying that Jesus is the answer um, seems like maybe kind of the, um, I don't like the simple answer, right? Like, like the simple or the, the, well, yeah, of course Jesus is the answer. Duh, right? Like, yeah, of course he is, right? That's why I want... One of our, our, our number one core value here at Conduit is that Jesus is everything. That the gospel, the gospel changes everything. The gospel changes it all, right? And, and saying that, well, Jesus is the answer to your foundation problem. Jesus is the answer to your, your problem of instability. Jesus is the answer to your problem of, of feeling insecure and unsteady and unstable in the midst of the last 33 weeks with the sand being washed away from underneath your feet and not having a firm place to stand. Like, yeah, if you're not standing on Jesus, yeah, the sand is going out, right? The sand is going out. Um, and so I understand fully that that is a, like, the easy answer. Well, the answer is always just Jesus because the answer is always just Jesus. But even Jesus himself goes beyond saying, I'm the answer in the Scripture. Remember, he just got done, he just got done teaching and preaching on like the greatest block of teaching in all of his ministry that we have recording of. We got done with like, I don't know, it was like eight weeks in the Sermon on the Mount, hitting different points of it, trying to pull out practical application for how we're going to live a Jesus-centered ethic of life, right? Learning all these things about like letting go of our of our, our right to be right, right? Loving, loving other people, right? Going the extra mile, being distinctively different all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, right? Um, and, and that's all good stuff, right? Like, all, all super good. My fear here, all right, and this is where This is where um, things, things need to change. Okay? Um, listen, there have, been, there have been seasons and there have been times and there have been experiences in my life where I have felt incredibly unstable, incredibly like, just like I got punched, right? And you're just walking around dizzy. And you don't know what's going on, and you don't know what's next, and the found and, and circumstances reveal that the foundation that you've been standing on may not have been like I have been there. There have been seasons, little blocks of time in the last 33 weeks where I have been in that place, where I have asked those questions, where I have walked through insecurity and instability and inherently like unpredictability of life. I have been there. I get it more than anyone 
Trust me. You know, what I'm worried about is that, um, and, I, and I don't say this, I don't say things directly to you all the time like I'm going to this morning, but as your pastor, right, I am becoming a little concerned. <laughs> I am I'm becoming, uh, I'm becoming a little um, concerned that you're not finding the solid ground. And it, and it makes me ask questions first of myself. Like, like, am I, like, what's going on? Like, you, when, you, when you take the Word of God and you proclaim it faithfully and you, um, you open it daily and, and, and you communicate the heart and the spirit and, and the truth of God and you, you try to press it into people's lives and you, you pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that He would take it right down into the center of heart and souls, right? And you, and you know you've given a good word and you know you've done it week after week after week after week after week after week and, and, then, and then there is still this, this undeniable sense of things just not working. Begin to ask the question, like, what is going on? Like, what is the issue here? And I think maybe sometimes what we have become guilty of is elevating, um, elevating straight belief or knowledge above um, spiritual action. And I want to tell you why, why I think that. Like, and it hit me when I was reading this this week that like, this is almost exactly what Jesus was saying here in his kind of wrap-up to the Sermon on the Mount. Because he says these words in verse, um, in verse 24. It's the very first thing that he says, right? Um... Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, who's been here the last, you know, eight weeks or whatever, and you've been hearing these words of Jesus, right? Been hearing these words of Jesus from the... Go raise, raise your hand. Been hearing these words of Jesus, right? I've been hearing this teaching of Jesus. I've been hearing these, like living a Jesus-centered ethic of life. I've been hearing it. I've been hearing it. I've been hearing it. I've been hearing it. Who loves to hear good sermons? Who loves to hear the truth of God's Word? Yeah, we, we all love to hear the truth of God's Word, right? Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine, oh yeah, right here. I'm in it. I'm in it to hear it. Give me all the podcasts. Give me all the blogs. Give me all the online sermons. Give me all the YouTube clips. Give me it all. Give me all the Max Lucado books. Whatever. I want to hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it. Everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus says, and puts them into practice. Folks, you straight up wasting your time if you're just hearing. You're wasting your time. 
if, if you are content to just hear a good message, if you are content to just get a good word, if, if, you, if you are placing your feet on the solid ground of a, I just got to go hear a good message, that is, that is, that is not solid ground. That will not get it done for you. That will not produce the strong, solid foundation of life that you're looking for in the midst of the storm. You must make, you must make, a, a, you must make a decision about whether or not you are going to do the things that Jesus says you should do. Or not. Because just hearing them gets you nowhere. I feel like sometimes we are like, like this whole reality of like hearing the words and doing the things. Like when we're on our way to church, we're like, I'm going to go hear the words. I'm going to go hear the words. Okay, now we're going to do the things. I'm not going to do the things, right? Not doing the things. Hearing the words? I love to hear the words. Doing the things? Uh, that's a little personal, God. And um, my spiritual life is kind of private, so just let me hear the words rather than do them. Listen. you get anything, get this one, right? In order to remain steady and stable through the inevitable storms of your life, you actually have to apply Jesus-centered living. You're going to have to actually, you're going to have to actually uh, be distinctively different than other people around you. You know, like salt and light. You're, you're going you're gonna to have to actually stand out from the crowd. And, and, and in case you need a, a good word on that, right? Go back to, um, let's see, that's August 23rd. Go back to August 23rd. That's when we preached that. In, 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 order, in order for you to um, remain steady and stable through the inevitable storms of your life, you're going to have to actually get right with the people you have broken relationship with. You know that? You're actually going to have to do some hard work in mending relationships. We talked about that on September 6th. You're, you're going to have to, you might actually have to um, reject a kind of seamy religious attitude. We talked about on September 13th. You may have to lay down your right for justice and victory and being right in all circumstances. You may, you may actually have to willingly 
take a loss in areas of life. Like, like John preached the week that I was gone, you may actually have to love the people most that you like the least. And he preached that on September 27th. In order to remain steady and stable throughout the inevitable storms of your life, you may actually have to place your confidence in God's willingness to handle the situations of your life that you're constantly trying to control, that you're over-anxious about, and that you refuse to let go of. In order to remain steady and stable through the inevitable storms of your life, you may actually have to be more concerned with your own sin than other people's. This is something I can't do for you. Unfortunately, I can't, I can't lay. I can, I can create good soil conditions for a foundation in your life to be built. But I can't lay it myself. You, you, you must not just listen. You must do. You must work. You must apply. I say this, I say this from a place, I say this from a place of, of um, an incredible love for you. Each, individually, personally, an incredible love for you. An incredible desire to see you stand firm and stable and strong and secure as the rain comes down, as the water rises, as the winds blow against the house of your life and to see you stand, sit, Remain firm and stable. I, I so desire that for you. I so want that for you. If I could produce it for you by myself, I would, right? But you must make a decision, people. You, you must make a decision. Don't, don't just waste, don't, don't, don't play patty cake with the truth of God's Word. You, we, we, are, we are held liable, we are held responsible to the truth that we know. And if we know the truth, but do not do the truth, right, we, we have no excuse. 
Unfortunately, you, you don't have, excuse, have an excuse not to reconcile that relationship. You don't have an excuse to love most the people that you like the least. You don't have an excuse. We are left without excuse when we know the truth. I implore you. I, I, I pray. Um, I encourage, exhort, admonish. Try to teach one more time, right? That, that, that the truth of God's word speaks. That hearing the teaching of Jesus, believing in Jesus, is not enough. That actually doing what Jesus says is what builds the foundation. Doing what He says. And when we do what Jesus says, when we, when we, when we trust, when we believe, when we, when we proclaim Him as the... Uh, bring, bring back up that slide... Um, about Jesus being the cornerstone, that Jesus Himself, trusting in Jesus Himself, the saving work of Jesus, that He is our Savior, that that is the steady ground. Not the idea of Jesus, not the belief in Jesus, but Jesus Himself as the Savior of our unsteady lives is the cornerstone for everything else that we build off of. We're going to um, take communion this morning. My, my confidence in prayer. Um, I'm going to speak this into the. I'm going to speak this into the room. Uh, this is the. I'm not ordering more of these. <laughs> How about that? I'm not ordering more. Okay. <laughs> so. I don't know what your comfort level is with the bread and the cup, but I'm not ordering more. Okay? Um, now, that's not to say, of course, like I talked a few weeks ago, last time we took communion this way, um, <laughs> basically what we just talked about, um, this is not what matters. The little plastic cups and the bread, um, or the the wafers here, right, is is not is not what matters. It's not the the loaf of bread that I get at Wegmans and the grape juice that I pour in the fancy cup that actually matters, right? Those are elements or symbols that point us to who matters, not even what matters, right? Who matters? Not the idea of communion. Not the experience of communion. The God of communion. The, the Spirit of communion. And not talking about a spirit in a general sense. The Holy Spirit of God in communion. The Savior that is represented in the bread and the cup. 
See when, can I get a few people to help me just pass these out? Just take a basket and walk around with them. Corey, thanks. Um, actually, I'm probably going to need one. Why don't we have the band come back up too while we're passing these out? Uh, I'm just going to continue to talk here for a few minutes because that's what I do best, talk. Are you all cold now? Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we take communion here at Conduit um, as a as a, a practice to be reminded of the work of Jesus on the cross. We use symbols like bread and wine or juice or a cup, right, uh, to remind us of the way in which Jesus' body, when it was on the cross, was broken, and the way in which Jesus' blood, when he was on the cross, was shed. And that in the shedding of Jesus' blood and the breaking of Jesus' body, that every provision for the forgiveness of my sin and yours was made by Jesus on that day. The taking of communion is um, the taking of communion is an act of faith. It is, an, it is an experience of receiving the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of His forgiveness offered to you freely without any cost to you. And so when when you take communion and we offer communion to anyone who would like to receive it because Jesus offers himself to anyone that would like to receive how many of you how many of you believed in Jesus Christ the first time that you heard the gospel yeah how many of you took like man it took weeks months years tons of people bad experiences like yeah like many of us right some of us have came to the gospel, right, the first time that we heard it. Lots of us, Jesus basically had to like drop a rock on our life, right, before we came to a place of being like, oh, yeah, I need Jesus and I need him bad, right? And so, we don't believe that you, that you have to have already put trust and faith and belief or be a Christian before you can receive communion, right? Because of what we believe about what communion is. That it is, a, it is a proclamation and offer of forgiveness given to you in Jesus Christ through the breaking of His body and the shedding of His blood. And, is, and, and it, is a, it is a means of grace of God's forgiveness to you. 
And as many times as that message needs to be proclaimed in your life for you to internalize it and surrender yourself to Jesus Christ, I will feed you communion every day for the next 1,000 days. If on the 1,001th day, you confess with your tongue, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Because it's not this that matters, right? It is the Spirit of God living in us by faith through Jesus Christ that matters, that you receive in the moments of receiving. So if you have not yet done so, you can take out the wafer. You know what to call it. Um, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he gave thanks to it from his heavenly Father and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat of this, all of you. This is my body which has been broken for you. Take and eat it in remembrance of me. And then Jesus took a cup and likewise he gave thanks to his heavenly Father for the cup and then he gave the cup to his disciples and said, take and drink all of you. This is my blood which has been poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink in remembrance of me. Let's stand and sing one more time.